you surprise yourself with how much you can handle. But if you never give yourself the opportunity, if you always ever say, you know, I can only get as far as the bus stop, so I'm not going to go any further, then you'll only know the path to the bus stop. I think there's there's far more than we can handle. You know, when they say it's never too late for a, for a happy childhood, you decide what the thing is that you're going to make an experience mean. Anything that comes along will most certainly not break you, but what are you going to make it be for yourself? Change careers, break into new industries, transition into new roles, reinvent yourself and make the dent you want. This is the Second Breaks podcast. And now, here's your host and fellow Second Breaker, Lou Blazer. Hello, my friend. Thank you so much for joining me today. This is episode 33 of the Second Breaks podcast, and it is Monday, January 8th, 2018 as I record this episode. I've had to like mentally be deliberate to say 2018 because I think there's still a part of my brain that wants to say 2017. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but I don't know about you. I am I am quite psyched to start the year already. I was, I was quite ready to say goodbye to 2017. I think 2017, you know, based on a lot of the conversations I've had, I think 2017 was all kinds of uh, difficult for for all kinds of different reasons for for many 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 of us. So um, I think we're ready. We're ready to say goodbye to it, to close that uh, chapter, and uh, and really be you know embracing of this year. You know, I, I, I try to remember how it was when we started 2017. I didn't feel this way. I I was I was motivated, yes, but I felt like an underlying hum of um, dread. Uh, not this year, though. I feel quite different. I feel excited. I feel motivated to work on my goals, and just generally more positive about you know what's in store for all of us. Now, that does not mean that I think that everything is going to be easy, <laughs> because I think our world requires us to put in effort to achieve great things. But if we are willing to put in the time, to put in the energy, to put in the attention that it needs, I think 2018 is going to give back. It's going to give back in loads. <laughs> okay, that's probably the really optimistic side of me that's coming out that that uh, you're hearing there. And I do have a tendency to, to be... Uh, on the edge of being a Pollyanna at this time of the year, so I'm told. So uh, there you have it. But uh, you know, I don't, I don't really care. I'm happy. I'm happy being optimistic. So, and speaking of being optimistic, I am loving the topic of today's episode, and my guest, Alice Carolina Smith, who I am excited to introduce to you. We're talking about overcoming career limbo and indecision. And I think all of us have at one point or another felt, you know, this way, right? We've experienced how it is to feel unsure, not knowing what we want to do or should be doing or could be doing. Now, Alice, she spent many years in that phase and recently came out of the limbo phase. And in this episode, we talked about her experience, what it was like, how she overcame it, and what helped her the most. 
You'll find today's show notes at secondbreaks.com forward slash episode 33. In addition to the notes and links from today's show, you'll also find links to other resources there, including a link to sign up for the Pivot Essentials, your guide to making the career pivot you want in this new economy. Again, secondbreaks.com forward slash episode 33. This episode will be coming out on Thursday, January 11th, and if you're listening to this right around the time of release, you still have time to join the Steer Your Career workshop, which starts on Saturday, January 13th. Steer Your Career is a big picture mapping and goal setting workshop designed to help you make a real dent on your career goals this year. You can find the details of the workshop at secondbreaks.com forward slash January workshop. That's one word, January workshop. And I hope to see you inside the workshop. Let's get on with the show. Alice Carolina Smith is a graphics designer, interior architect, communications strategist, and branding expert all rolled into one. But it took her a while to figure things out and to position herself for the kind of work she really wants to do. With design being her first love, she initially pursued uh, this career path by going to a design school in Switzerland, only for her dreams to be squashed when she was told that she wasn't creative enough, that she was a one-idea girl. Now, this pushed her to leave art school altogether. And it started years of experimenting and trying out different careers. In her words, she was in limbo. It was harrowing, but it was also amazing and a huge learning experience for her. In this episode, Alice openly shares her experience, how it felt to be in career limbo, what helped her through the years, and how she found her career fit. Alice also shares her experience and thoughts about the design industry. And in case you're someone who's interested in pursuing a career in this space, I think you'll appreciate Alice's point of view. So here's my conversation with Alice. And as usual, I'll catch up with you at the back end. Hi, Alice. Welcome to Second Breaks. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I know that you had some pretty major changes in your life or career changes, which involves a relocation to another continent. So I was wondering, maybe we could start with that, Alice. Maybe you could give us like a, a walkthrough about the kind of changes that you've made in your career and kind of what triggered it all. Why did you move away from, you know, Switzerland? I guess it's a long story. I'm going to try and keep it short. Um, But I think that's what happens with anyone who changes careers. You have sort of a, it's been a long time coming, I guess. Um, I started with um, graphic design school when I was 14, 15. Uh, It starts early in Switzerland. Um, And I sort of had um, a bad experience, let's say, in my school. Um, Not necessarily with my classmates, although, you know, (laughs) we could talk about that some other day, Um, but because of sort of the paradigm that existed at the time. My teachers were very much influenced with um, the school that they went to, which was Bauhaus. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's quite a famous art school. It's sort of like it started the whole trend of how art schools are now formed. However, it was a very sort of rigid way of looking at 
how people should be designing, I suppose. And um, and I guess I've always been a bit of a rebel at heart and didn't really <laughs> appreciate how I was herded uh, into sort of a, a, a format. Mm. And I guess I just I just wasn't able to flourish in that. Mm. And um, and I was told I didn't I wasn't creative. I didn't have any ideas. I was a one idea girl. There was never going to be anything sort of at the end of my, you know. So there came a point where I'm like, why am I doing this even? And why am I participating in in a an industry graphic design, which essentially manipulates people into buying things? That's all. That's all it is. Right. So, <laughs> I mean, in my 18 year old 19 year old mind that was all there was and so and so I quit I quit I I I mean I went away for a year I relocated for a year to get out of the funk and came back and tried to invest again and then I finally gave up because I'm like there's just nothing here for me and then I went on sort of like a tour I guess of the world and of different careers and tried to sort of like find my way for I don't know maybe a decade or so Along the way, I've done a lot of sort of different communication schools and marketing and anything that had to do with design, but never design, really, right? Because I wasn't creative, right? That was still in my mind. And then it came a moment where I was, you know, burnt out with a job I was doing. I was stressed. I was going for a long trip um, to Bali and Australia, which is really fun. For the first time, I wasn't going somewhere to learn the language and become part of the culture, but I was actually just going on vacation. Mm. Uh, and I know it, it was strange to me. I only realized it after the fact. And so I went away um, after a particularly heavy year and a job in Switzerland that was fine. It was fine. It was, we had a great team. It was all great. It just, I wasn't happy at all. Just wasn't. And um, I was good at it, but I wasn't happy. Mm. And then when I was away, I finally was able to clear my head for the first time in a very, very long time because I wasn't trying to make a living. I wasn't trying to be anyone specific. I just I was just off. I could just look at the ocean and think of nothing or have no thoughts at all. And so that kind of started the process. I came home and basically sat down with my mom, who's my one of my best friends and also a coach and, you know, many things. So I sat down with her and was like, I, I don't see myself going back to this job. Or if I am, I was on leave. I was able to go back and I did. But it was definitely in the realm of, you know what, this is not going to work. Mm. And so we sat down and we, um, she basically gave me a cake diagram where she said, okay, so we have one circle. What are the three things that you want to do in life? And I'm like, okay, well, um, one of them is design. I want to like, see if there's like, if I go into a bookstore, I always gravitate towards design always, you know, there's just a magnetism. And then the second thing was working outside in whatever fashion that would mean, because I grew up on a farm and that was always outdoors, outside the office, outside, outside, somewhere outside, whatever, farming, gardening, anything just outside. And then the third thing was relief work because I'd been to Bolivia for quite a long time and then um, sort of just was struck by the intense poverty and just that never left me. So those were the three things. And she's like, all right, so how much of this cake diagram will design take up? And I was like, well, half. And she's like, we're done. <laughs> we don't need to talk about this anymore. But then came the next question. I'm like, but I'm not creative. I'm not a designer. I'm not, you know, I'm not, right? And then 
we just discovered that maybe the way that I was approaching design and the way that I was thinking of it, which was in Switzerland, in a graphic design mm-hmm. school, the way that it was, you know, 10 years, 15 years beforehand, that was the only way I could think of it. And then we slowly started to open our minds to say, for example, interior design or architecture or anything outside of the realm of the 2D, right? And so I, um, I sort of like went online and searched, you know, interior design schools and realized that Switzerland, I'd have to stay in school for at least five to six years full time um, in a in a way that I was like, oh, and then I, I immediately got this dread of like being back in this really cool sort of like studio atmosphere, but having to prove myself and in this very linear way that Swiss mentality works. And all of a sudden, I just I couldn't be with it. And so I just, I went to the next possible solution, which is Vancouver. And I just thought, well, because I have some family here I and I'd lived here before, I, I kind of felt like, you know what, this is, if there's ever another home for me, it would be this because I feel ah, comfortable. In- okay. So um, I knew that there would be sort of almost like a, a setting for me to live into that I already knew. Um, and so I found a school here that was just a college, you know, for a certificate course, which was two years. It was perfect. Um, And I just decided to do that with the support of my parents to just become a designer again. And that's what I did. Alice, I have so many things that I want to, so many forks in this conversation that I wanted to take. (laughs) But let me just say two things. One was that before this conversation, I would have never associated design or design school with rigid or formulaic. I know. The thing is just you have a human element always, right? And these were professors from another era. Mm. They knew how things were done. They were in their late 60s, early 70s. Um, they had a particular way how design was done from the from what they were taught in the 40s and 50s. So, yes, And there's also um, a a clear, and this is sort of where the environment really makes a big difference. Um, And I've thought a lot about this. Um, Switzerland, in in all of its wonderful functionality and efficiency and creativity in that sense, has a very linear way of thinking about Mm. things. There's a massive past. There's incredible uh, innovation in the future. There's, There's so much movement. And I think um, it all sort of comes from, from a very close knit country, like Europe is very crowded. And I think there's only sort of like a tradition and and backward, like looking back into the past and and finding strength in the past and moving forward and, and innovation and moving out of, you know, and trying to trying to be with the circumstances that mm. are. Mm-hmm. Uh, Whereas, and this is where the environment is so important, whereas here I feel expansive and it's almost like a spectrum as opposed to a linear place, you know? Um, so there's almost like an, an opening, even though it might not be, Swiss design schools are renowned. They're fantastic, right? Because they're so focused on form follows function. And there's so much creativity in, in limitations as well, yes. right? Yeah. I, just for me, it didn't work. For me, I, I wasn't able to flourish in that because I needed to have someone be like, all right, try it out. <laughs> Who knows if it's going to work or exactly. not? Exactly. I think that's a very North American way of looking at things, just going for something, no, no matter if there's a practical future ahead, you know, but just, just seeing, you know, go big or go home, try it out, exactly. see what happens. So the other thing that I wanted to 
to say quickly um, was that how fantastic is it to have a mother who could sit down with you and just be, you know, to, to be able to talk to be open. openly yeah. like that. Absolutely. That? Well, and I think I think that was probably, I mean, has is still my greatest resource in life. My family believes in me 1000%. I have no doubt in my mind that I will be safe forever because they just believe in me so much. Absolutely. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, so the, uh, one of the things I wanted to uh, explore with you a little bit was when you were saying something about, you know, you left school um, design and then for 10 years you were doing all kinds of different things. Uh, first of all, every time I hear that kind of story, I was like, wow, I like to me, <laughs> it's like I wish that more people would be open to having that time when they are just exploring themselves or the world, because sometimes uh, you know, we get pressured to make a decision when we're 19, 18, 20 to figure out what we're going to do for the rest of our lives. I'm like, in Switzerland, it's 12. In Switzerland, at 12, you have to make a decision. It's, oh, my goodness. Like, how, what do you know when you're like, right? So during the time, during those 10 years, uh, were you consciously thinking, um, I am just figuring out what I want to do? Or were you saying this, whatever it was that you were doing, were you thinking that was going to be your career? Okay, so first of all, it was harrowing. It was limbo. It was the grass is always greener on the other side. Every time I found something, I thought, this is it. I'm yes. going to do this forever. And then I didn't. And then I got down on myself and the whole thing started over. And then I'd find the next new thing that was amazing. And then I, well, it was exhausting. And that's why I sort of came to this place of, of truly sort of like having, I guess, almost like an existential crisis, or I feel like I've had a few of those. But mm -hmm. there was this moment where once I slowed my brain down to zero, I finally realized that none of that was what I wanted. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And I think that there's there's a conscious effort to it where I just wanted to explore and I wanted to I, I always lived by just just do it. Who, who cares if you can go for it and you'll never know what it's going to give you. Right. Mm -hmm. Everything is for something. Everything has a purpose. So nothing ever felt wrong in a sense. Like I don't regret any of it. Never have I regretted anything except there's there's this limbo uh, place that you go to where you're constantly questioning and constantly in a place of doubt and also in a place of doubt with yourself and your abilities, in a place of doubt with where you belong. Mm -hmm. What is the thing that actually is going to make you happy, really? And I don't mean just, you know, oh, my God, what's going to be the most fun? But I mean, like this true contentedness where you just do the thing every day and you love it and it becomes more part of you every day. Right. And in those, say, 10, 15 years, I was constantly searching. And so I think that there's there's a there's a, a difficulty and a, and a sort of, I guess, a sort of grit that you need to have to be with discomfort and be with not knowing. Mm -hmm. um, which I actually don't wish on anyone, even though I think that exploring and finding out what you want to do and taking time and just giving yourself time is important. Yeah, I don't know if 15 years is really the time you should be doing it. Maybe two years, maybe five. Um, but yeah, so there was there was definitely a huge element of difficulty to it all. Mm -hmm, well, mm -hmm. And it's interesting that it was during the time when you were on vacation, because sometimes we do need to kind of pull ourselves away right before the clarity happens 
we get so sucked in. We sink our teeth into it. We claw our way in and we're like, this is impossible. I need to fix this. You know, and then you go into it and you try and solve it. But the thing is, your mind is completely wrapped up in the whole problem. You can't possibly have clarity from that place. And we all know that, except that we do it anyway. And You have family, you said, in Canada. So that part of it, at least, is not very difficult. It's not like you're going to a strange place where you didn't no, know I had anyone. Lived here. Yeah. yeah, I'd lived here before. There was an element of like, where am I going where it's going to be easy to live? Oh, as gotcha. Well. Gotcha. Yeah. Exactly. So was- you moved to Vancouver at that point and, and so you went to school there to back to design, but a different, is it a different family? I'm not, I didn't go to design school, so I'm so sorry. I don't know the language, but is it a different sort of um, family of design that you were studying or? Um, I think that interior, well, interior architecture, um, is what I like prefer calling it because interior design, often people think it's like throw pillows and, and curtains, uh, which is not, which is not what it is. It is architecture. We get to build houses. Um, uh-huh. I mean, building, um, it's just, we concern ourselves not with the exterior, you know, with weather and wind, but with, you know, how, how things are experienced, I guess, in the interior space. And so I think that, I think you said it very beautifully. It's a different family of design in the sense that, it goes into the experience, like a full body experience, the immersion of yourself in design and how you move through a space and how the, what the experience is of, of sort of a small doorway into a large hall, what, what that makes in yourself, like what, the, um, what feelings that produces and how you can make um, almost like, um, I guess, homes or offices feel conducive to the thing that you're doing in them. You know, mm-hmm. if you're a, family, a large family, or maybe just a single person, or if you're in a huge office space, what it means to be part of a part of a company, you can build that yeah. in a physical space, right? And that's what that's what I got from it. And I think that my brain operates very much in 3D. And so um, part of I don't know, that just I, I found that out, I guess, I didn't know that. And so I, I it's actually funny, I just recently, I'm finally conceded to the fact that my brain just operates on a 3D level and all of the sort of 2D stuff is is, is beautiful. And that's why I, I kept getting stuck because uh-huh. I, I actually have sort of a, I guess, a, a just a different design sense, I suppose. But interestingly enough, interior design specifically never interested me. I never wanted to be the one that drafts plans and makes bathrooms and like that specifically wasn't what caught me. And this is why I do what I do now, uh, which is branding. Because it actually takes you beyond um, one dimension. It takes you into the entire experience of someone's business, let's say, or the entire being of someone's business. So you actually get to explore and and produce the entire yeah, architecture of your brand. I, you know, I looked at your website before <laughs> just to kind of prepare for this call. Your website it's different from all the other websites that I've ever seen. It, it, it <laughs> operates in a different level. It's not just it's not just that it's beautiful, but there's layers of it that's very different from how other websites are. I still don't have the words to describe it, but I could I could now understand why your website, you know, feels differently or operates mm, differently mm. or comes across differently because I think because of those layers or different way of you looking at things and it translates yeah. to 
to your website.、Uh, so it's beyond just—it's not just beautiful. It's something else. It's like a different sort of thing. Well, there's a depth. There's a depth and an emotion to、um, to a brand and to a website and to to a. I mean, this goes back to how I see branding. I suppose is just we we often consider it just sort of the output of of. Of a business, you know, like how do you come across? What do people say about you? But to me, there's there's more. There's so much more, especially in today's day and age, where relationship and and authenticity is so important. We forget that a brand is the entire emotion of a business. Right. It's it's like the second strand of your business DNA. It's not separate from how you function. Like operations is one side of your business, but the being of it, the 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 sort of the core of it, the values and the and the purpose of it. That to me is all written in your brand, you know. Hello, my friend. Just a brief note about Second Breaks, the parent website, and the company that hosts this podcast. Second Breaks is a career pivot design and strategy firm. Our mission is to help you thrive in your work and reach your highest potential. We do this through one-on-one projects and online workshops held throughout the year. We believe that in this fast-changing world, successfully navigating a career pivot is a must-have skill. But if you've never done it before, it can be frustrating, confusing, and anxiety-inducing. And because of this, so many people end up being stuck instead of pursuing what they want to do. And being stuck is the world problem that we've chosen to solve. Listen, you don't have to do it alone. We would love to be your partner in your pursuit of your highest potential. So visit us at secondbreaks.com. Check out services and workshops, and explore how we can support you. So, you know, someone who's listening to us today,、uh, to this to this conversation, might be saying, you know, I know how that feels to be in limbo, to to know that I'm doing something but there isn't a fit. You know, when I feel like I'm a round hole, a square peg in a round hole kind of thing. Uh, and so can resonate or resonates or or can relate to what you were explaining before. So I was wondering if you could maybe talk from a perspective of once you found the fit, how it feels differently. Because I could imagine、mm. somebody who is in limbo who's、mm. never felt the fit. Like,、yeah. how would the the fit feel when it happens? It's actually interestingly enough, the fit finally came just about two months ago. So it's been a journey, even in Vancouver, where、mm. I constantly doubted it. I went back to Switzerland for two months every summer and went, "Well, maybe I'll just stay here, and maybe I'll not." You know, I won't. I never commit it to a place. And I think what you, what the way out of limbo is, and I'm not saying that limbo is bad. Limbo has a lot of good juice in it. Like it's awesome. The things that you get from limbo are amazing and harrowing. And awesome. I can't really, you know, anyone who is in limbo will understand that. The place that, the moment that you get out of limbo is the moment that you commit to something, whatever the thing is. If it is a, a mindset, a, a a trip at the end of the year, a an, a house. Like right now, I committed to my apartment,、uh, which is amazing. But I also let myself. Feel it out for like three or four days. My landlady can attest to that. I knocked on the door every day for three days to be like, "Can I be in the space again? Can I?" And now we're, you know, best friends. <laughs> the、um, the landlord is probably saying, "This is a very different way of renting no, out space." She was on board. She was on board, and that's the thing. <laughs> oh, that's that good. It's so special, right? Yeah, yeah. And、um, and it's close to the ocean, and it has all of the things that I need.、Um, really, truly, 
And suddenly everything else kind of clicks into place because you have one place that you're resting in, you know, one place where your mind doesn't have to make decisions. And I think that's a very real issue in limbo Mm -hmm. is that you have decision fatigue all the time. You're constantly making decisions. You're always thinking about where am I going next? How many bags can I take? Uh, Or like, you know, bags, think of it as metaphorically or or real in real life. For me, it was real, right? I have two bags. That's it. That's all I was allowed. What can I keep? What do I have to give away? Where does this go? There's always, always, always decisions to be made when you're in limbo. Mm -hmm. And the moment that you commit to something and one whole chunk of your decision making moves, just drops away, you're able to make better decisions for the rest of it. It's like healing properly when you've had surgery. The moment that you sort of come to the place where you're like, okay, I'm going to give this the time it needs mm-hmm. and I'm going to commit to being better by this time, then the rest you function better in your daily life. You become creative again. You can, you can actually make decisions based from a place of like, yes, but that is the thing that I'm committed to. And so commitment is the core piece. And that's the uh, total opposite of what you feel like doing in limbo. Right. Because you're like, you're scared to pick the thing to commit to, because what if it is not the it, right? Exactly. (laughs) And the thing is, it doesn't matter in the end. It doesn't matter because the thing, okay. The moment that you commit to something, it is the thing. That is your choice, period. You do not question it anymore. And I don't mean by by just by sort of saying, oh, now I'm finally rested and no doubts anymore. What I mean is you just you make the conscious choice that this is what it is. Mm. It's a choice. It's not a feeling. It's not a moment of like, oh, my God, now I finally found my place. It's an actual choice. The moment that you choose things can fall into place. All of a sudden you're like, oh, maybe this is not the place that I'm supposed to be living, but I committed for a year. So I'm fine. Yes. This is just going to be for now. And everything, once you've decided that everything else, all the other decisions that come, you can say, all right, I get that decision. I don't want to make that yet, but I'm safe where I live. So I'm okay. Or I'm safe in my business. So I'm okay. Or I'm safe in my job. So I'm okay. I can find an apartment over time as long as my job is steady, right? Mm -hmm, If you mm -hmm. have all of the things up in the air, if you have your relationship in the air, if you have your friendships up in the air, if you have your job and your house up in the air, all of a sudden you're completely weightless and that you can do nothing from there. It's true. completely harrowing, right? Oh my God, I love that. So we already talked about how you won the parent lottery and the family lottery. (laughs) And so, uh, so what else do you think looking back or, you know, just, Kind of what helped you the most during that period of limbo or doing this and doing that? Kind of what was helping you the most? Well, there's one on one hand, um, creating the environment that you need. Um, so I went to study to do Lindy Hop. I went to go and do a really, really joyful dance and met a bunch of people there um, and just made sure that my body got enough movement because I know that's really important for me. So I like a daily practice of moving your body is really helpful um, if that is your thing. And then um, I reached out. I reached out for support left, right and center everywhere I could. Uh, And it's the thing is, the more honest you can be with yourself and with others about your situation, the more you can be like, I'm in a really, really dark place. I need you to take me out of the house because I'm not doing it myself because mm-hmm. uh, I don't even know where to go because I feel like I have no friends. Everyone will step up. Everyone will step up to the plate. I've had so many invites to so many things because I asked for it. You have to learn to ask for it. And I think that's that's one of the challenges that I set myself also just 
recently is to ask for something anyways, every single day, be with the discomfort of, of asking for something like yesterday in the sauna, I asked two people to be quiet because <laughs> it's a quiet space, you know, but, but that kind of discomfort, like just being with like, would you mind moving a few inches? So I have more room. That's the kind of space that you need to occupy and you need to ask for things. Right. This is what I'm learning now because I am not very good at asking. And the reason why I keep having setbacks in my recovery is because I don't ask. Mm. And so um, actually, um, the most recent setback, my friends were actually kind of pissed off with me because they're like, we are just here. We're going to just move this thing for you. Why did you force yourself to move it? And so, yeah. Well, that's the thing. We forget. We forget how much of a pleasure it is for others to help us. Mm-hmm. It's so, it's a weird place for, you know, go-getters, people who do everything by themselves. I totally get that. We're like, oh, I can do it. I can do it. The thing is, you're robbing them of an opportunity to be of service, to be a contribution to you. Mm-hmm. And it's really fascinating what it does for them. So if you can think of it as a, as a, as a contribution to them that they can help you, you, you start making, like, the moment that somebody gets to um, help you move something they feel like they've done you a good service and they get a good feeling from it. We know this. Yes, we exactly. know this. Right. It's funny because she, you know, one of, my, one of my friends, she actually said that almost word for word what you said. And it, it didn't even think, I, it didn't occur to me that, because to me it was like, I'm going to bother someone, which is that's the, the farthest thing from her mind. And so. Exactly. Yeah. And you learn to be more assertive and you learn to ask for more because discomfort is like, it's almost like an endurance sport. You just have to do it every day, be with the discomfort, whatever you ask, whatever you ask every day, make it something that moves you out of your comfort zone. And then you're not so afraid to be afraid to say, hey, dear friend, I'm having an existential crisis. Can we sit down and you can talk me through it? Because <laughs> I can't find my, you know, my head from my tail anymore. Exactly. So, Beautiful. So um, during this time, I, I imagine that um, you learned a lot about yourself, either things that you've always known about yourself or things that I didn't know that I was, I'm capable of doing that or, you know, that kind of stuff. So would you mind sharing with us maybe one or two like major aha sort of discoveries that you had about yourself? Um, I'm really brave. That's something that I learned about myself. Mm-hmm. So courage has become the thing that always moves me forward. So whenever I'm in any situation, I'm just like, what would courage do right now? I think, I think we can do this, you know, whatever the thing is, I learned that moving to another country, being in a new city, making new friends, never, ever felt uncomfortable, because I just did it anyway, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's one thing that I learned about myself, which really surprised me, because because I got that a lot from other people and never believed them. And then suddenly I sunk in and like, right, moving to another country, I guess is a bit scary. But to me, it always felt like, no, it's scarier for me to stay there where you are. I don't want to be in your, you know, I don't want to become this like stagnant person. Um, And um, there's really nothing that, that can happen to you that can ruin you. Mm. Nothing in this world can break you. You always get what you can handle, I think. Um, And I've I've had harrowing situations and I felt like I was going to break, but I didn't. Every time I was, I saw that I was capable of doing things that I never thought possible before. 
right? Especially also, you know, having my own business. Mm -hmm. One of the things that you can ask my interior design colleagues, I was like, are you crazy going into business yourself? Are you insane? That is stupid. And then the moment that it hit me that I was like, oh, I, the niche that I'm looking for doesn't exist. I have to create it myself. I'm like, I'll fine, I'll do my own business. But, um, but I think that you surprise yourself with how much you can handle. But if you never give yourself the opportunity, if you always ever say, you know, I can only get as far as the bus stop, so I'm not going to go any further, then you'll only know the path to the bus stop, right? I think there's there's far more than we can handle. And so it's almost like, you know, when they say it's never too late for a, for a happy childhood, you decide what the thing is that you're going to make an experience mean. Mm-hmm. And so anything that comes along will most certainly not break you, but what are you going to make it for? Eve for yourself. That's right? great. Yeah, yeah. So uh, a couple more questions, Alice. So what's maybe a book, fiction, nonfiction that you've read recently that you enjoy that you could recommend? I have the, the fortunate situation that I'm in a I'm in a furnished apartment and I have a little library in my bedroom and there's literally every form of nonfiction that I would ever want to read about philosophy and psychology and everything everything I want to read and I I feel very overwhelmed by the it's a daunting task so I can't tell you what the last one is because I keep getting interrupted by new books um but I think I think the one that had the biggest impact for me in how I saw how I operated is always and I think this is something that other people will tell you too uh is the big leap the big leap always always um I keep I keep tripping myself up in the upper limit area and I keep, I keep running into time issues. Um, I keep running into things that I'm like, ah, the book said it already. And then I go back and reread it or I reread the first section or I reread the bit about time or I reread. So I feel like that is probably the one book that I think anyone it doesn't matter if you're, you know, entrepreneurially inclined uh, should read. Right. No, absolutely. I agree with you, with you on that. So finally, Alice, where can people find you online? Yeah, I'm on alicecarolina.com. I'm uh, at SpiltGold on Instagram. And I think everything you need is probably on my home online at, at my website. So, Alice, thank you so much for your generosity and sharing your experience, your insight. You know, just thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's been such a pleasure. That's a wrap for today's episode, my friend. You can find the show notes plus links to other relevant resources at secondbreaks.com forward slash episode 33. And while you're there, remember to sign up for the Pivot Essentials. We've got a pretty good backlist of episodes now. You can download past episodes in Google Play or Apple Podcasts, or even better, subscribe to the podcast so you don't ever have to miss any of the future ones. And if you haven't yet, I would so appreciate you leaving me a review and rating in iTunes. This helps me tremendously. It puts the podcast in front of the people who could benefit the most from the information that we talk about on the show. If you go to secondbreaks.com forward slash review, that link will take you directly to iTunes where you can leave your feedback. Thank you so much. I'll be back next week with a new guest to inspire you, get your ideas flowing, and motivate you to start making or at least start planning your next career move. Till then, keep on making your debt, my friend. Cool beans. This is the Second Breaks Podcast. 